0: verses 25 through 37, page 918 in the Pew Bible, page 918 in the Pew Bible. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise.
1: Good morning. It is good to be together this morning to worship God. If you're a guest, it encourages us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. As we continue this month to think about ways we can reach out and make a difference in other people's lives, we continue to think about recovery through Christ. And you will have detailed announcements in your adult Bible classes this morning of that, and... I look forward to you learning more about it so together as a church family we can do the greatest good for each other. So be sure and know uh, if you do not normally go to a Bible class, you're always invited to a Bible class. We would love for you to stay around after this service. There are about 12 adult Bible classes. There will be people at the information center that can help you find the Bible class that uh, you would probably enjoy the most. And of course there are classes for all age children also. So we hope everybody will take advantage of that and that you'll learn a lot this morning about celebrate or about recovery through Christ. And as you think about that, we will be saying more about that throughout the month, but in Bible class this morning, uh, you'll have a great emphasis on that for the first few minutes of class. We think about simple kindness this month, and it is an emphasis that hopefully all of us would place in our life every day of our life, but sometimes to have Time periods of our life where as a congregation we concentrate on the same thing with even greater emphasis. It helps all of us step up and be more of what the Lord would want us to be. A better reflection of God's love. If you were not here last week, there were kindness cards that were passed out. There are plenty of these at the Welcome Center in the center of the foyer. Uh, You can go by and pick those up. And also there's a flyer that uh, gives a good description of what is trying to be accomplished in this Ministry. Keep in mind that you can go to the website, that's www.mountjuliet.org, and you will see the icon of Simple Kindness, and you can click on that. And you can read what several others have done. All of the posts are to be anonymous. And it encourages us to see the good that's being done in the name of the Lord. And also, uh, we encourage you as you do particular acts to... Post that so it can continue to be fuel to encourage others of the good that's being done. If you want to be encouraged, take time to go to that website, and I'm sure many of you already have, but if you haven't, I assure you, uh, you'll be encouraged by the time you finish reading uh, the post that's been given. Uh, as a way to say, not that these two are any better than any other two that are posted there, but I just wanted to give you an idea of what to go and, and look for if you haven't been there yet. Uh, One post this week, a friend lost her child to cancer five years ago. She still visits the cemetery almost every day. On my lunch break today, I went to the mausoleum along with a simple kindness card. I left a bouquet of flowers for her to take home and a balloon for her to release to her son when she visits today. The short post right under that says, I've given two ladies a bouquet of of rose flowers from our garden. I'm 12 years old. We want to encourage every age to continue doing everything that you can do to show simple acts of kindness and hand the card to give the glory to God. To think of 10,000 acts being done this month is absolutely amazing. To God be the glory. The Good Samaritan. It's one of the best known stories in all of the Bible. We don't know if it was a parable or if it was an actual event that Jesus was telling. But we know no matter what, it teaches some valuable truth. If you do a search in concordance for Good Samaritan, you're not going to find him. You see, what's interesting to me is it wasn't Jesus who named him Samaritan, it was you and I, it's mankind. Now I know some of you are going to look down your Bible and you're going to see a paragraph break there and at the beginning of that paragraph, it's going to say something about a story of the Good Samaritan. But keep in mind, it's man that put in those chapter breaks and those paragraph headings and those footnotes. When you read the holy, inspired writing of the Word of God, he's simply described as a Samaritan. You know, like if I mentioned to you John, the fourth chapter, many of you would say, oh, That's the Samaritan woman at the well. Fair enough. Now when I say Luke 10, why don't you immediately say, Oh, that's the Samaritan man on the road. Why? You know why. Because of the compassion that's mentioned in verse 33 that moved him into such action that when we see what this man did, we can't help but say, That's good. That man is a good Samaritan. So what is the good about this story? Oh, there are so many things that are good about this story. I suppose we could do a series that would be six months long and and just pull various characteristics that are good out of this story. For this morning, I'd like for us just to consider a few of the things that make this story of the good Samaritan so good Because after all, think how easily this could have been a negative story. You know, a man is robbed. He's beaten and then left to die. A priest comes and looks upon him and passes by in negligence. A Levite does the same thing. Where's the good in this story? There was a man man that we call the good Samaritan. And let's find the good in the story. The first thing I'd like for you to see this good is the question from which this story stems. When you go back to the beginning of the text, you find out it was a good question. What a good question is asked when we look there in Luke 10 and verse 25. Now, granted, it was a poor motive. It was a wrongful motive. But it was a good question. You see there in verse 25, he was trying to trick him. He was trying to test Jesus, trip him up to make him look bad in front of others because they were jealous of Jesus and they wanted to undermine his ministry. And so they asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What a good question. Think about this for a moment. What must? That's implying that we're not the authority. That God is the authority. In other words, there are things that God requires. What must? He didn't say, what does God suggest? What Would God look and find maybe some kind of favor? It's very direct. What must? And then he says, what must I do? It's personal. Personal responsibility. I do. What is it that I must do if I'm going to have eternal life? After you breathe your last breath, you step over into eternity, into an existence of either condemnation or salvation, either heaven or hell. What must you do so that you can step over into heaven? What is it that you can do so that you can live? Friends, there's no greater question that we could ask. It's such a good question. And from that, Jesus asked him what the law teaches. And this man knows Scripture. And so he quotes from the old law, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength and with all thy mind in the second, so likened to it to love thy neighbor as thyself. Now Jesus encourages him to do this, but wanting to justify himself, this man says, but who's my neighbor? You see, the Jew was very comfortable in treating another Jew as a Jew should be treated. But he wasn't comfortable in treating a Samaritan with love. And so Jesus is going to tell this story to help this man answer the greatest question that could ever be asked. What must I do to have eternal life? Now, I'm sure you already have linked this together. But just to make sure you have, because I want us to turn to another passage to see the same thing. He's asking the question, what must I do to have eternal life? The answer is, love God and love others. And then he wants to know about loving others, and so he gives him the story of the good Samaritan. Do you realize that that not only is the answer to the second commandment, to love others, that is also the answer to the first commandment. Do you realize you cannot be pleasing and acceptable to God if you do not have compassion and mercy toward others. In other words, put it this simple. It is wrong when someone says, because of the second greatest commandment, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. It's because of the first and second greatest commandment that Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. As a matter of fact, if you want to think back in your mind or if you want to flip over to Matthew, the 25th chapter, I want to remind you of three stories in that chapter where the whole chapter is about the second coming of Jesus Christ. That question of what must I do to inherit eternal life. The first story tells is about ten virgins and five of them are prepared for the bridegroom's coming and five are not prepared. And that story is a very simple and powerful story to say, we better be ready at all times because we do not know the day or the hour that Jesus is going to return. The second story that Jesus tells is that of the talents. There is a five talent and a two talent and a one talent man. Now I know many times we bring that out of the context of being prepared for the second coming but if we leave that story in its context that story is about being prepared for the second coming of Jesus. Jesus. And he's saying, if you are going to be like the five virgins who were prepared, you're going to take the talents, whether God has given you five, two, or one, and you are going to use them for the kingdom's sake. Then you can be prepared like those five women. And then he tells a third story, and this one isn't a parable. This one is where he says, let me tell you what the second coming is going to look like. The Lord is on his throne. He's high and lifted up. And all mankind's before him, and he's going to make a divide, like sheep and goats are divided on the farm, except there's going to be a divide of the saved over on the right and the lost are on the left. And those who are saved are the ones that will be identified as the blessed, and they are invited to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And these are the ones that Jesus says, when I was hungry You gave me food. And when I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And when I was a stranger, you invited me into your house. And when I was naked, you gave me clothing. And whenever I was sick, you came and visited me. And when I was in prison, you came unto me. And you remember, they said, Lord, we don't remember doing that to you. And he says, when you've done this to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. Go back now in your mind and put two things together. How do we fulfill the first greatest commandment to love God? It is how we love others. That's one of the ways that we prove our love to God. But then you say, how important are acts of kindness? You remember last week, we defined from Scripture that kindness is having compassion, great welled up compassion that moves us into action, And this merciful action is kindness according to God. How do we show that? Matthew 25 is all about the second coming of Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you have to feed people that are hungry. You have to give water to people who are thirsty. You have to take strangers into your house. You have, to be willing to give clothing to those who need it and visit those who are sick. And that word visit means literally go with open eyes to see what you can do for them. You have to go to the prisons. Why? Well, you don't have to unless you want eternal life. If you want eternal life, you have to do these things. Why? Because those things fulfill the first greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. And so when we look at this story of the good Samaritan, and we say, what's good about this story? It stems from such a good question. I want eternal life. What do I need to know? But also it stems from the thought about this man and his neighborhood. In other words, he was inspired to do something good for his neighborhood. Imagine some kind of little 15-second news blurb on on your radio station or or whatever news site you go to online or or, uh, whatever television or newspaper you read. Imagine how this story would read in this day and time about if the Samaritan was not a part of this story. Just imagine that. Well, another tragedy has taken place between Jerusalem and Jericho, that very dangerous neighborhood. People are leaving it by by droves because it's such a bad neighborhood. Another man was robbed and beaten and left to die. It has been said that that one of the religious leaders saw it and, and he was negligent and passed by to leave the man to die. And it's even said that one of those of the Levite, the Levitical tribe has such a good reputation usually, but... He neglected him also and and left him to die. And and now the the funeral services will be at such and such day. But many people in that area are talking about how bad their neighborhood is. What did this man do? If that's where and how the story went, would you feel like you lived in a bad neighborhood? What changed the neighborhood? Why is it for 2,000 years... It's been this story that has moved individuals to do great things. It's been this story that has moved entire ministries and organizations to change communities for good. Why? Because you know as well as I know the story doesn't end like that. Oh, the story has all of that negative in it. Except there was a man who decided to bring the good into his neighborhood. He decided to do something about it himself. He didn't form a good neighborhood committee. He didn't just come out of a simple kindness sermon with a card in his hand. He didn't say, I tell you what, I, I'm going I'm to go back to the church and I'm going to get together some deacons and, and some staff and some elders and, and we're going to see if there's something we can do to help you I tell you what, hang in there for five or six hours and I'll be back. And if you think that's cute, I've heard a lot of stories like that in my life where one person needed help and whoever knows them wants to pull everybody together when that one person can be the answer. Friends, if we haven't already, it's time we step up. And be the good in our neighborhood. It's time that we become the person that says, I can make a difference for good and give God all the glory. There's something else that's very good about this story. Now, what I'm going to say, you would expect because it's Jesus Christ, but still, let's not take the obvious for granted. And that is, in this story, there is such good instruction. You know, when, when you look at this diagram here, that literally is pulled off of a website that they strive to pull business from medical companies who have to sell kits and sell products that would need detailed instructions on how to carry out whatever their product is. And this web company, their only business is we can help you write better instructions. And they write, they, they write diagrams like this. They produce videos. It's all about what is it that you want to communicate and let us help you do it in a way that'll be effective, a way that'll be simple, a way that'll keep you out of lawsuits. Let us help you instruct people better when they open your product. Have you thought about how Jesus takes one story that's only seven verses long and He pretty much answers any question we could have about what is it that I need to do to be a good neighbor? Who is the good neighbor in this story? How do you really show mercy to other people? What do you do when the other person is your enemy? What is it that God's will would be for us to fulfill the first and second greatest commandment? Have you ever tried to teach someone how to tie their shoe over the telephone? Can you imagine how difficult that would be? Doesn't it make it a lot easier if you can sit down beside that child and you show them while they work with their shoe, and it's back and forth. Illustrations are powerful. Jesus here, instead of saying, I want to give you a long theological dialogue of what the commands are and what every word in that command means, instead, He literally says, I want to tell you a story. What powerful instruction! we have in this story that challenges all of us to know God's will better. But also the good in this is the good approach. You see, in this story, the Lord's approach goes against what sometimes we find too easy to cling to. And and if if you see from this point the fact that your comfort level is decreasing and you're not as comfortable as what you once were, if you need that nudge, that's exactly what I think Jesus was trying to get us to do in this part of the story. In other words, what was the Lord's approach? The Lord's approach was not abstract thinking. He didn't sit down with the man and say, I tell you what, let's talk about the poverty in the world today. He didn't sit down and and say, let's talk about crisis. How, How could you do something that would be crisis intervention? He didn't sit down and talk about good in general. Notice, we're the ones that cause the Samaritan good. The Lord in this story didn't sit around and talk about good. I tell you what, I want you to fulfill the second and first greatest commandments. I want you to go around and I want you to do good. I want you to help poverty. I want you to intervene in crisis. Why? If that's our thinking... We usually do nothing. But instead in this story, the Lord talks about specifics. Look what this man did. He saw a man who was in crisis and he went and immediately began to to bandage up his wounds and put him on his own animal. He saw a man who needed help through the night And he paid the innkeeper and he took care of him the first night and paid the innkeeper to take care of him in the future. Why? Why that approach? Because that approach demands that we see the individual. I'm thankful that we're in a congregation that has 50 ministries. I believe that we help fulfill God's will through those ministries. But if you think that those ministries alleviate you of the responsibility to reach out to the people that you see on a daily basis in need, you've missed the whole point of ministries, and the opportunities that God gives you on a daily basis. I wonder when's the last time that priest had talked or talked with an individual about how important it is to love God with all of your being. I wonder if he had just left serving and, and talked with someone about the second greatest commandment. Now we need to love our neighbors as ourselves. And then he passes on his way home By a man who needs help. Friends, God is not concerned with what you're going to do later in life when you have more time and money. Please get this. God doesn't care what you would do if you had a million dollars. God wants to know what you'll do today with the time and the resources and the opportunities that He's placed in your life. That's God's approach. Now, see the specific people that He's placed in your life and do something about it. But finally this morning, I'd like for you to see the good of this story as we think about investments. Jesus was showing us that we all have the opportunity every time we see these opportunities to make an investment. How often have you heard someone say, well, I, I was really in, in, in a dire situation, but fortunately a good Samaritan came by and helped me. What do we mean by that statement? A good Samaritan came by and helped me. Well, obviously it goes back to this story where we've named this man the good Samaritan. Why? Because out of everybody in this story, he was the one who made the good investment. And then it starts ringing clear. If, if you don't know God, if you're not drawn to his teachings, you would read this story and you would say, wow, it cost a whole lot to care for people. I mean, think about it. He had to pay the money. He had to give up his ride on his animal. He had to stay up all night looking after this man. It cost a lot to care for people. If you love God and you understand this story, you realize, wow, there's a high cost when you don't care for people. It's impossible to be like your Lord when you don't care for people. It's impossible to have the answer to that good question at the beginning. What must I do to inherit eternal life if we don't care for people like our Lord does? This story that's inspired so many people to do good, we, those of us that love the Lord. We look at this story and we're reminded of the words of our Jesus. In Acts the 20th chapter in verse 35 when Paul had just laid out how we need to labor to support the weak. And then he says, as our Lord said, he said, remember these words of our Lord. It's more blessed to give than to receive. This morning... I think about Jesus' words that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that shouldn't be our motive because then it would be a selfish motive. But it is of great encouragement and interest to know that we really do receive the greater blessing. So then that's why we can say it's a high cost if we don't invest in caring for others. I want to read to you as we close a post of one of you on the website, and I think this kind of reveals that understanding and that kind of heart, as one of you said this on, on the, the post, you said, I'm personally going through a difficult time right now. As I drove to work this morning, my mind overtaken by details of difficult decisions to be made. I felt a strong need to use one of my green cards. I went through the drive-thru for coffee and I paid for the person behind me. The lady at the drive-thru was very excited by what I was doing. She asked for my name. I told her my name was not important. I handed her the card to pass on. She read it. It gave me the biggest smile. It helped me as much as the people that were involved in this small act of kindness. Friends, We cannot afford to not care. God didn't make us so that we live a healthy life looking inward. God didn't make us so we achieve a life so that when we draw to the end of it, we can look back and be thankful by concentrating only on us. God made us to love ourselves, but to love our neighbor as ourselves fulfilling the second greatest commandment, we help to fulfill the first one. To love God with all of our being. This morning, I would think that God would place in every one of our lives this week an individual. An individual that we may not ever see again on this side of eternity. Or it may be an individual that needs something for us literally every day of our life. I would hope all of us would be prayerful and be willing to fulfill whatever type of opportunity God would place in our life to do good. There's a lot of good in this story. And let's make sure that we're bringing the good into our neighborhood and into our lives and the lives about us. If you're not a child of God, You're missing out on the opportunity of eternal life. And you're missing out on the best life to live here. It's different from the world. That mercifulness, the world doesn't understand it. But it always shines in such a way to give the glory to God. And that's all that matters. If you want to be immersed into Christ or you want to be restored, if we can help you in any way, come as we stand and as we sing.